True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Deep left field! This is way back! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Which players are we avoiding in drafts this season? Let's find out. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, March 8th. Frank Stample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, we've got Bust 2.0 news and spring training updates. But for now, let's talk about the man of the hour. We're going to be breaking down Scott's Tout Wars team in depth tomorrow. But it just wrapped up. Draft is over, Scott. What is the rapid reaction? Just... The, the rapid feel right after the draft ends. It's surprisingly even keel, I guess. Usually, right. I don't know how many years I've done Tout Wars now. This is like my sixth, maybe. And usually I've either been like, you know, totally over the moon about my team or, you know, at, like devastated about missed opportunities that happened during the draft. And I, I was actually afraid it would be the latter because I was picking 15th. And you know how I hate picking on the ends because I like to anticipate what's going to be there by the time my next pick comes up. And there's just no doing that. I think once during the end of draft, did, uh, did somebody I hoped would get back to me actually make it back. So um, I kind of just had to take what came to me and my first five picks look very unfamiliar based on other drafts I've done. But having said that, like, I think I did, I think I did, uh, you know, reasonable job of just taking what came to me. Uh, got some good values because of it. You know, I balanced home runs and stolen base as well, which is always critical in a roto league. Pitching looks deeper than it usually does for me in a 15-team league. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about it. I feel pretty good about it too, Scott. I like what you did there. And it feels like we are the official Fernando Tatis podcast because Chris has done a, done a Tout Wars draft. Wound up with Tatis. Scott has done a Tout Wars draft. Wound up with Tatis. My draft is on March 19th. We're going to have to wait until then to, to find out if I also wind up with Fernando Tatis. You got to get him. 
You got to keep the streak going. Yeah, that we are the official podcast. Uh, Chris, are you hyped for the World Baseball Classic? I know we've got a Absolutely. game on right now. I'm w- watching some honk ball right now. <laughs> what? Absolutely. That's that's what baseball is called in Dutch. The uh, the major league in the Netherlands is honkball hoofdklasse, and uh, that is just delightful. I love it. That is awesome. I, it's, I love the World Baseball Classic because I'm just watching like Johannes Cespedes batting right now, and like it's just a, it's a great like remember some guys, especially on the kind of worst teams. You know those the guys that like you didn't realize they're still are like Jair Jurgens is going to be pitching for the Netherlands at some point. Like, <laughs> you know, they've got the other uh, Profar brother on their team. I actually wrote about the uh, World Baseball Classic and just players to watch on CBSSports.com. Japan, man, that is going to be a very fun team. They probably, they might have the three best players in the world, not currently in Major League Baseball. I don't know if you like, if you include prospects, if that's true, but like, man, the, the three dudes, Munitaka, Murakami, Yoshinu, Yoshinobu, Yamamoto, and Roki Sasaki are just outrageously good, and I'm really excited to watch those three. Go check out Chris's article on the site, cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball, World Baseball Classic players to watch. I believe Japan, Dominican Republic, and USA are basically three-way favorites to win the WBC, yeah. so obviously all three of those teams are stacked. And I did go and play some some bets on Puerto Rico to win it all. So let's go, Chris. Let's get it done. <laughs> let's, let's get into Bust 2.0. But first, remind people of the busts we gave out back on January 31st. when We did our first iteration of Sleepers, Breakouts, and Busts. Michael Harris, Adolis Garcia, and George Kirby for Scott. Bobby Witt Jr., Tyler Glasnow, and MJ Melendez for Chris. And then Michael Harris, Dylan Cease, and Zach Gallen from me, Scott. Let's start with your uh, top two busts here. Two hitters. Jazz Chisholm. Uh, the people are not going to like it. Scott. And, and Starling Marte. What do you got on those two? Yeah, I mean, the best case for Jazz Chisholm is you, you probably don't even really need me to make it. It's that, you know, we've he's been around for um, three seasons now. If you, if you count the shortened 2020 season. When did he come up during that year? Do you remember? He played only 21 games. It was a short season. Got, it was 2020. Right. Right. It was I think it was a 60 game season. He played yeah. only 21 games. Was he, did he get hurt or did he come up? I don't remember. I'll but, look that up, but I feel like it was an injury. In any case, there were major injuries the past two years that limited him to 60 games and 124 games, respectively. So that's significant lost time. And we haven't seen Jazz Chisholm, in, whether you want to say it's three chances or two, play anywhere close to a full year yet. And that's, you know, not a deal breaker necessarily, but because he is one of only four second basemen who's perceived to be high end, he often gets pulled into the fourth or sometimes even the third round. I believe his ADP is in the fifth round, which is still pretty high. It's still going ahead of some real stalwarts in fantasy. And so it's just, there will be a year where Jazz Chisholm doesn't get hurt. Maybe he'll have a stretch of a few years where he gets hurt, but I'm not ready to assume he's going to stay healthy, um, given that he's, you know, give, given the nature of the injuries and the frequency of the injuries. And the cost comes with, I think, more downside than the upside can justify. But like, uh, I, w- if I would he... rather have Ozzy Albee straight up and he's going ahead of Ozzy Albee's on average. 
But if he didn't have the injury concerns, given the way he played last season, he'd probably be being drafted even higher than that. So I don't think it's yeah. like he's not being drafted at his ceiling. He was at least well, using the Rasball player Raider last year. He was the second best player on a per game basis. Yeah. If you do minimum 200 plate appearances, because obviously but I'm, but I'm he only had he, 241. He doesn't go that far behind Jose Altuve, who was the number one. Sure. So he kind of is being drafted at a ceiling. Um, I think the best case scenario for Jazz Chisholm is probably better than the best case scenario for Jose Altuve. I think if big, big if statement ja- there, it obviously depends on health. So I understand what you're saying here, Scott. Limited to 60 games last year was Jazz Chisholm with a stress yeah. fracture in his back, torn meniscus in his knee. Now he's being moved to the outfield, center field in particular, where he's going to likely have to do more running. So yeah. I don't know that that helps him stay healthy, but. I, do, yeah. I don't think he's being drafted at his ceiling because his ceiling to me is 30-30. And if he's coming yeah. off a season where he did that, he's probably a borderline first-round pick. So I mean, maybe the like 99th percentile outcome is 30-30. He was on pace for it last year. Yeah, like that's... Right. Even just his, 160, games. his 162 <laughs> game pace for the last two seasons combined is 28-31. Do you think he's going to play 162 games this year? No. I think he's less likely than most players. No, I mean, you guys are making the upside case, which I think speaks for itself, given how high he goes. And like I said, maybe there will be a year where Jazz Chisholm, there will probably be a year where Jazz Chisholm stays healthy. And maybe it'll be even more than one year. And maybe it'll be like a Nelson Cruz situation where he starts out injury prone and then suddenly stops being injury prone. But what I'm trying to do with my bust picks is to point out the landmines, the the if you step here, there's a chance your season blows up. And I think at Jazz Chisholm's cost, that's that's a potential landmine. And to your point, Scott, the ADP on Fantasy Pros is 47.4 for Jazz Chisholm. Last two weeks at NFBC, 35.9. So, And I've seen that in a lot of drafts where even in a 12-team league, he could work his way into the back end of the third round, which I can't really get on board with that. I mean, I like him in the fourth because... You can get him as your third hitter, and you could already you could also work one pitcher into your roster as well. So you're not really depending on him, but if you yeah. draft him as like your second hitter, uh, it's a little bit more risky. So and, and if by some chance he makes it to round five, I might even consider taking him at that point. You know, sort of like there are occasions where I've taken Michael Harris, who you pointed out was in my bust 1.0, Frank. Yeah, uh, uh, but it's you know, someone is always eager to take him, and it's not me. Stalling Marte is the other bust that you have here, Scott, and he's coming off a dual groin surgery. This offseason has yet to make his spring training debut. The only thing with Marte, Scott, is he is sliding down draft boards right now. I got him at the end of the seventh round in a 15-team league in TGFBI, so I don't know how much you factor that into the bust case for him, but it seems like a lot of people are scared off right now. Maybe rightfully so. Again, the way I approach my bust is this is not a do not draft list. It's a proceed with extreme caution list. So there may be an occasion where I take Starling Marte, who's, you know, per game production was still pretty good, but he is 34. He is a consistent injury risk. The last time he played even 140 games was 2018. Um. So, you know, at his age, he's not he's not going to start getting healthier. He's already hurt right now. But, you know, the 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 real nail in the coffin for Starling Marte for me is 
I'm not even confident if he is healthy, he's going to give me the kind of numbers I'm expecting from him because being someone who's now in his mid-30s, his uh, percentile rank for sprint speed dropped below 70th percentile last year. It had consistently been 80 or higher, 90 or higher for most of his career, and it was below 70th percentile. His success rate on steals, not so great. He stole only 18 bases in his 118 games, was caught nine times, so it was successful not two-thirds of the time. It's going to get easier to run this year. Maybe the, the decline in sprint speed was a fluke, but considering the stolen base numbers course, the, the drop in stolen bases corresponds to the decline in sprint, sprint speed, and he's in an age where it totally makes sense that he'd slow down. I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure the risk is worth a reward. Even in the scenario you laid out, you're talking about a 15-team league. Seventh-round pick sounds like a great deal for Starling Marte, but seventh-round pick is still the core of your team in a league that deep. And if, if Starling Marte gives you half a season of unstarling Marte-like production, it's going to be hard to overcome. So I see that as a potential landmine, in, in regardless of the, the format, or, or even really where he's going. I mean, I guess in a shallower league, that, like he's going outside round 10 in a shallower league, there's no risk in that. But uh, most of the time, that isn't what happens. The ADP for Starling Marte, according to Fantasy Pros, is 71 Last two weeks at the NFBC is 89.1. So people are scared of Starling Marte right now. And maybe for good reason. I'd like to see him play in a spring training game. That hasn't happened yet. But as of now, Starling Marte sliding down draft boards. Chris, your bus here. You've got two Braves. Scott, you know. Yeah, Scott picked a Marlin. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double uh, up on Braves just to get back at him. The revenge. Uh, Not this guy, though, right? This is Not uh, uh, old Acuna. Oh, no. Well, that's, I, that's- I hope. That's what I wrote in my bus column is like, what? look, I, I've got nothing against the Atlanta Braves. I mean, you know, they, they are probably the Marlins' biggest rival historically, although that's, you know, it's like, a, you know, an ant has no quarrel with a boot kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, either way, you know, I, I've got nothing against the Atlanta Braves. I just don't like these two guys enough to justify their costs in fantasy. And the biggest thing for me is with Albies in particular, it's really hard to know in our current baseball environment where there was the juiced ball era and there was a shortened season. And then last year we had the weird April where nobody could hit. And then it was okay after that. It's really hard to know what a player's true talent level is. But I worry that Ozzy Albies true talent level was really inflated by the juiced ball era. He looked like a really, really good hitter during the juice ball era. Never a great source of batting average, but good pop, great counting stats at the top of a really good lineup. Now I'm not so sure, because if the ball is not going to be flying as far as it did at his best, what we saw last season was always looked more like an 18 homer guy. And if he's not going to make changes to his game to maximize batting average, a 250 hitter with 18 homers, you're going to have to steal a lot of bases to be worth a, a third or fourth or fifth round pick. He's Especially, aiming for 40. He's on yeah, I mean, he's, he's, talking, about, he's talking about 40-40. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, would be, that would be something. I, I, I mean, he, you can... You can do that with stolen bases. Um, yes. And I, uh, easier than you so can with home sure runs. About the home run. But yeah, it's and, just... And, and I like that he's saying that 
at a time in baseball history where base where really every hitter should be saying that because it's going to be easier to run than um you know than, Although, than any of us can remember. He's been mostly a an okay source of steals, not necessarily right. a great one throughout his career. Only three last season. I think we can give him a, a the benefit of that on that one. 20 is his career high at 15 and 14 and 158 and 160 games in 2018 and 2019. So like, let's say he's an 18 homer, 22 steal guy who hits 255. I mean, that's a pretty good player, but it's certainly not a special one. And, I just worry with the quality of contact metrics that he sports 87.1 mile per hour average exit velocity, 5.4% barrel rate last season, expected Woba 297. I just, I think there's a decent chance that Ozzy Albies is just like an average hitter in an environment or at a price where you need a lot more than average to justify his price. I think he's probably a like, relatively high floor player. He's going to play every day. There's no risk of playing time. The injuries last season probably won't linger, but I just, I worry he's not that special of a player. You're you, you laid out a case for like a, a pessimistic case of being a 2020 second baseman. Mm-hmm. I mean, his ADP is round five. Uh, the the line you laid out two fifty five I mean, batting average. Jeff Chisholm might do that in seventy games. Steals. Like, isn't that basically Marcus Simeon, who goes earlier no. than uh, Ozzy Albies? Marcus Simeon's two. he went twenty five twenty five last year, and now yeah, year, and now it's, and now it's, now not it's like, easier to it's run. Not like you can pencil him in for those numbers every year. I mean, no, it, not far off. I this understand. is the thing. The first, so this is the thing is you can kind of do that either way because like, and 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 obviously there's Elvis a chance Andrews. that Ozzy Albies dramatically outperforms that. Because we've seen him be a thirty homer guy before, we've seen right, him hit but we're pretty before. sure he's not a thirty homer guy. Yeah, pretty sure in this um, environment, like the, the yeah, given, we don't. But, okay, I mean, I get what you're saying, and I've had those reservations with Ozzy Albies too, because I, I mean, for the period he was healthy last season, he seemed like somebody who got crushed by the switch in baseballs. But it was also the time of year where everybody was getting crushed. Right, so we haven't part really of the seen it play out for Ozzy Albies yet. And um, although he was actually better in April than May for what it's worth. Yeah. But I like mean, you can kind of do the like, is that May, that May was from, pretty cold too. <laughs> but, but like you can do the like, is that that different from Marcus Simeon thing in the opposite direction and say, it's not that different from Elvis Andrews who had 17 <laughs> and 18 last season. Now we don't expect him to repeat right. that, but like right, we're also did. giving Ozzy Albies a lot of benefit of the doubt that he could do 17 that and 18. But he deserves. I mean, he's been the most other than Jose Altuve and over the last five years, Ozzy Albies has been the highest priority at this position. And other than last year, he's made good on it. So like he, he deserves the benefit of the doubt. He's only 26 years old. I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt to a certain extent. I just think his swing was very, very well suited to the juiced ball era. I had the concerns last year that he wasn't going to come close to matching the power output that he had the year before. And he didn't now again, extenuating circumstances. He only played 64 games. Most of their half of them were in April when the ball wasn't traveling as far. All of those things are true, but it's also true that it might just be that last year was more or less who he is moving forward. Okay. Okay. One last thing here. 
So doing the actual math on it. Yeah. Okay. 20 home runs. So if you, if you pace out last year's home run pace, which we're saying was he accumulated during the coldest stretch of the year where, where home runs were hardest to hit. If you pace out those eight home runs over the bat, over the plate appearances he had in 2021, it comes out to 20 home runs. So mm-hmm. basically what you're saying. Yeah. There are just a few more things that I'm uncertain about with Albies entering the season two, uh, apparently had off season soldier surgery and it was quote, just a regular cleanup. I don't believe he's played second base yet. Uh, he's planning to do so uh, soon. No, he did on Saturday. All right. So I made that up, but uh, he was, you know, he was kind of being eased in. He was playing DH. We don't know exactly where he's going to bat in the lineup either. I mean, he has been much better against left-handed pitching so far mm-hmm. in his career. So he could bat second against lefties and sixth against righties. I mean, that would affect the counting stats too. So just a few things that we're uncertain of when it comes to Ozzy Albies. Uh, Scott, I think you're very clearly taking Albies over Jazz, correct? Yep. Chris, you're going the other way. Jazz over Albies, yep. And I'll break the tie. I am also going Jazz. If they're on the board, it's the fourth round. I need a second baseman. I'm taking Jazz over Jose Altuve. Not over Jose Altuve. Over Ozzy Albies as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, I don't know. Some kind I know, of, for I know Chris slip. Welsh has Jazz ahead of Jose Altuve and every other second baseman yeah, for what it's worth. He's selling out for the upside there. Sure is. A few busts for me here. I've got uh, Dansby Swanson. It, it just feels like you're buying off the career year. The ADP is not outrageous. He's going around pick 75, but posted career highs across the board last season. Uh, the Babbitt spiked up to 348. We saw that also in the short in 2020, small sample size, uh, but career 313 Babbitt for Dansby Swanson. And he did slow down in the second half. He hit 254, 702 OPS. Line drives went down, the ground balls went up, and now he's with a much worse team. Chicago Cubs, he's not going to have the same lineup support, the same counting stats in that lineup. He also has been much better in Atlanta in his career versus on the road. So uh, just given the depth of the shortstop position, the players he's going around, I'd much rather have O'Neill Cruz or even Wander Franco, or I'll just wait and take Carlos Correa like 50 picks later. Mm-hmm. The other name here is... Jake McCarthy, this is kind of one where I just don't ever feel the need to draft him. It just, I don't ever want to draft him. I I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I think he's like a speed-only type player, but didn't love the plate discipline last year. He doesn't walk much. The strikeout rate is fine, 21.5%, but he hits a lot of ground balls. I don't know what the power output is going to look like. 20th percentile average exit velocity, 42nd percentile in max EV. Uh, The expected number is not great for Jake McCarthy last year. He was a league winner. He's extremely fast. He had 22 steals once he got called up in July last season. So I respect what he did last year, but I just don't know how much I trust it, especially in the power department. And uh, if he gets off to a slow start, I don't know how tied to McCarthy the Diamondbacks are. Like, Do mm-hmm. they owe him playing time? So just all of those reasons, I just don't really ever find myself drafting Jake McCarthy uh, or Dansby Swanson. Let's take out uh, Chris. Did you have anything? Sound like you look like. You oh, no, no, it's, it's yeah. I, I, he was someone that like I opened the the draft season kind of liking a decent amount. And I don't hate his price. I just I have not drafted him yet. And I think your point about like, are they tied to him? Are they going to guarantee him playing time? I think that's a very good one because this is obviously a team with a decent amount of young talent. And, you know, it's not clear like if. Alec Thomas is going to play every day right away. 
Well, he's I, I probably feel like, a more talented player than Jake McCarthy. So if it comes down to it, I think it's more likely that Alec Thomas eventually play or, or outperforms Jake McCarthy. So yeah, I, it's, it's just mostly a player that I just don't find myself drafting very often. It, it, to me, Jake McCarthy is a player that's totally, it's like totally a needs-based pick because mm-hmm. he is, you know, if, if, if he is basically who he was last year, then he's a huge stolen base source right at available right at a point where all the stud base stealers are gone. Like the, the, you know, the high end types who are also going to give you stolen bases. And so if you missed out on those, then I feel like Jake McCarthy is the perfect pick. Yep. And yeah, maybe it goes wrong, but I think more likely it'll go right. But I, I get what you're saying that he's not, it, he's certainly not uh, as established as I'd like him to be. Yeah, and there's a few guys that can give steals later on. Obviously, I think McCarthy's upside is he could steal 40 bases, but mm-hmm. even someone like Ramon Laureano could give you 20 steals later on. Or Scott, you mentioned Nico Horner yesterday. I think if everything works out, he could steal 30 bases this season. Obviously, different position, but uh, kind of similar skill set, I, I would say, uh, with a better batting average than Jake McCarthy. Let's take our first break, but first, I do want to promote, uh, obviously, It is a very fun time of year. Spring training baseball, we've got the World Baseball Classic, and of course, college basketball brackets are back. Compete against Scott, Chris, and me in our FBT March Madness bracket on the CBS Sports app. All you have to do is scan the QR code in the top right corner of the screen right now, or click on the link in the podcast or YouTube description. After you join our bracket, make sure to run men's and women's pools with friends and family for the chance to win a new car and trips to the 2024 Final Four. Play today on the CBS Sports app or visit cbssports.com slash play to sign up. No purchase necessary. See terms and rules for details. We'll take a break and we'll be back right after this. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome back into Fantasy Baseball Today. Let's get to some news and notes because the YouTube commenters want the news and notes earlier in the podcast. And 
look, if there's big news, I'll talk about it. But to be honest, there's not really anything that's crazy going on right now. So for the meantime, you know, we'll probably stick it in the middle of the podcast. And we'll start off with Phillies manager Rob Thompson, who has no updates on Andrew Painter's elbow. Kind of feels like they're either keeping the results to themselves or seeking second opinions. Either way, doesn't feel great about, uh, I don't feel great about Andrew Painter's elbow right now. I, I don't either, but I will mention, since it's coming up, that I did take him in Tout Wars, the 27th round of a 15-team league. Because like we always say, a that late, it's not even really worth considering the downside. Like, right. What if Andrew Painter just has a minor elbow issue and they call him up? He's on track to come up May 1st. Yeah. You know, I'll be glad. I'll be glad I got him for basically nothing. There was also, I think Scott Boris was at. Uh, I, I actually don't know where he was, but he was asked about Andrew Painter. That's his agent, and you know, I, I think there was some typical Scott Borisian uh, flourish. But the takeaway was more like it sounds kind of minor, and we're just quibbling over like what his workload's going to be than like his elbow exploded and he needs surgery. <laughs> you know, it sounds like it's more like the Phillies think it's minor and want him to start pitching. And Boris is trying to slow roll it a little bit. That was just my read on it anyway. And also Scott, I think knowing your league is, is very smart and something everyone should do in fantasy baseball leagues because tout wars, you have unlimited IL spots. So you drafted Andrew painter, you drafted Trevor story, your second to last round pick. Uh, you've got Lance McCullers on your team. Alex Kirilov, you'll probably have to put there pretty soon as well. Sorry. Hey, <laughs> hey, that's uh, not what the twins are saying. But unlimited IL spots, so I understand why you took the shot on those guys late in your draft. Joe Musgrove has been lying in a hyperbaric chamber every day in an attempt to recover more quickly from his fractured big toe. Apparently, it's a pressurized chamber that helps create stem cells to promote healing. Okay. Juan Soto ran in Padres <laughs> camp Tuesday and said he feels 100% healthy. Sounds like the calf is all right. A okay. Vladimir Guerrero could be ready to hit in the batting cage by this weekend. He continues to receive treatment on his sore right knee. One day after saying Jordan Alvarez would swing a bat this weekend, they are now saying he will swing a bat by next week, or he's hoping to do so. Uh, guys, at what point are we actually worried about this? Jordan Alvarez dealt with hand soreness in both of his hands last year. He went on the IL. He had a brutal August as a result of this injury. He did return in September. He looked great. Was awesome in the postseason as well. But you would think an entire offseason, this wouldn't kind of be lingering this late into spring training. At what point are we actually worried sliding this guy down the rankings? I mean, if you have to, if you're drafting tomorrow and you have to make a decision, I think it's perfectly reasonable to pass on Jordan Alvarez and take Juan Soto or... Uh, yeah, I, I've moved once or Kyle ahead. Tucker, Kyle Tucker ahead, and and maybe uh, you yeah. know, Shohei Otani. at least in points. Leagues. I mean, at least in categories leagues, I think yeah. I still have Alvarez ahead in points, but like because um, you know, we, we have seen this injury now linger, uh, and we've seen look, he, he played every game last season, but let's not forget that this was a guy who at the age of like 22 or 23 had surgery on both of his knees, so like, I think there is some lingering risk, even if this wasn't an issue. So yeah, I think when you're splitting hairs as you tend to do when you're talking about first rounders, I think it's okay to drop him closer to Mike Trout than, you know, Juan Soto at this point. But if you're talking end of round one, 
Like, still I'm, not, I'm not passing him over until we get to the final weekend of spring training and he's still not hitting. You know, yeah. if the Astros are holding to the same line, he'll be fine for opening day. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't take that long for a hitter to get ready for opening day. Sticking with the Astros, Lance McCullers has yet to resume throwing. He's been shut down for three weeks with a right forearm strain. Kyle Wright threw a bullpen session Tuesday and is scheduled for live batting practice on Friday. If all goes well, he could pitch in a game next week. He has been slow in spring training because of a right shoulder injury. He had a cortisone shot back in January. That is Kyle Wright. Both A.J. Puck and Tanner Scott threw live batting practice Tuesday. Puck has been dealing with a groin while Tanner Scott had biceps discomfort. Mike Clevenger will make his spring debut Saturday against the Padres. And just some performances of note, I've got... Four very late round pitchers here. You guys let me know if you are you have interest in any of these guys. A name we haven't mentioned in a while, Matthew Boyd has 11 strikeouts to one walk in five innings this spring. He had nine swinging strikes on 43 pitches Tuesday. Yusei Kikuchi has allowed one hit with nine strikeouts over seven shutout innings this spring. Had 10 swinging strikes on Tuesday. His second start with double-digit swinging strikes so far this spring and uh, apparently has been... Emphasizing his changeup, which last year was a really good pitch. The problem is he only used it 13% of the time. Shintaro Fujinami looked much better in his second start. He went three innings, allowed one run. He had three strikeouts, eight swinging strikes on 52 pitches. And Tanner Houck flashed a pretty sick changeup. I was watching the highlights of his strikeouts, and he struck out Matt Olson with this pitch. He struck out another left-handed batter on the Braves. This changeup looked pretty awesome. Uh, we know he's got a really good slider. He throws hard with the fastball, but... I was pretty impressed by that changeup. Uh, do you guys have any interest in Boyd, Kikuchi, Fujinami, or Tanner Houck? Very late in drafts. I kind of want to make the Mean Girls reference with Tanner Houck for the fantasy baseball community. Just stop trying to make fetch happen. Ah. Uh, but you could throw the same thing in my face with you, say Kikuchi, who I remain intrigued by because he throws hard and seemingly has good stuff and just seemingly also has absolutely no command like 80% of the time. So I don't know. I, I can't say I'm like moving you say Kikuchi into the draftable range, but in a 15 team league, I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for him. Um, yeah, I was it's watching like, that game. He looked good. M- Mitch Keller was also pitching. Someone made the joke that this was uh, <laughs> the, the Sunday Scott White, Two start sleepers uh, performance. I, yeah. I thought that was a pretty good bit. Um, I thought they both looked okay, but I'm also just very much on guard of, of not hyping Yusei Kikuchi or Mitch Keller anymore. Yeah, I would say what they've done so far has put them on my radar in terms of I'm going to keep monitoring what they're doing, but uh, I, I'm not to the point with any of these pitchers where. You know, I'm really moving them into the draftable range of my rankings because, like, you know, the draft ends at some point and you can't have everybody, and they're just not, they haven't quite met that threshold for me yet. It's worth mentioning with Kikuchi and Tanner Houck, both have SPARP eligibility for those who play in head to head points leagues. Boyd might too. Doesn't Boyd? I don't think so. I'll check that. I'm pretty sure I checked earlier and he didn't have SPARP eligibility, but oh, no, you're right. He does have SPARP eligibility. Uh, yeah, he's actually only relief pitcher eligible. So, uh, okay. again, for those who play in head-to-head points, that's starting pitcher as a relief pitcher. So it's kind of a cheat code. Uh, Boyd, Kikuchi, and Tanner Houck all have that eligibility. Two hitter notes. One of Scott's breakouts from yesterday, Garrett Mitchell smoked his third home run of the spring. 
had someone tweet me who was actually at the game and they said, man, that, that thing got out in a hurry. Uh, he continues to look really good. And Oscar yeah. Colas, two more hits and a walk. He's now batting 429 this spring. The broadcast said the White Sox know Colas right now can hit in the majors. They just need to see him do everything else and do it consistently. What's up? He's making the team. He should. I mean, uh, do they really like want- that kind of comment that he's making the team? Do they? Do right? they want- like how how is how is Gavin Sheets positioning? Yeah, yeah I was gonna say like Gavin Sheets and right field. You probably don't want that. Um, but they just want to see the little things. They want to see his positioning on defense for Oscar Colas and base running fundamentals and, and little things like that. But the dude can absolutely hit. So if you're playing in five outfielder leagues, you definitely should be take, taking uh, Oscar Colas uh, very late in your drafts. I- I'm beginning to wonder with Garrett Mitchell, you know, third home run this spring. He had two in the 28 games he played in the majors last year. Uh, we talked about how he's strong and has raw power, but just puts the ball on the ground so much that, you know, it'd be nice if he made a swing change. But maybe just with his swing as it is, he could he could be a 12 to 15 homer guy. He's got 13 would, in like 120-something career games in the minors, so. Yeah, yeah. And, and that would... You know, he's not just a steal specialist at that point. He'll, he'll still be a great source of steals. I mean, obviously, he has to be able to hit consistently to stay in the lineup. But yeah, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting more and more uh, bullish on Garrett Mitchell. MLB Park Factors, according to Statcast, uh, American Family Field in Milwaukee, fifth best for left-handed power over the past three seasons. So. Yep. Something else that could also favor Garrett Mitchell. Let's get back into our Bust 2.0. And Chris, we'll start with you this time. You've got two pitchers on the list, Dylan Cease and Logan Gilbert. Yeah, and Cease probably has a pretty high floor just because of the strikeouts. But I'm getting real like 2017 Robbie Ray vibes from what he did last season. The problem is the big step forward in our understanding of pitching came in like the early two thousands when the, the idea of defense independent pitching stats came around and FIP and the idea that pitchers only have control of strikeouts, home runs and walks. And we understand that that's a less than nuanced understanding of the game. Pitchers do have control over the quality of contact that they allow. And not just when it comes to home runs, the question is how much control. And how quickly can we determine a change in skill set? Dylan Cease went from a 383 expected Wobon contact in 2021 to a 313 mark in 2022. He basically went from a slightly below average quality of contact guy to one of the very best in baseball. Better than Sandy Alcantara, not quite in the Julio Arias range, but very, very good. His strikeout rate actually took a small step back last year. His walk rate was actually a little bit higher than it was in 2021. It was the the quality of contact. And maybe it's just started throwing his slider 40% of the time, and that slider's a really good pitch, and, and that'll be enough. Quality of contact metrics for pitchers take a very, very long time to stabilize. Like, we're talking more than a full season to stabilize. Pr- presumably, you want multiple seasons worth of data to say, This guy's really good at quality of contact suppression. This guy's really bad at it. It's possible that he's just really good now. But when the entirety of his breakout was based on making a gigantic leap in a a category that is very, very hard, one, to change and control, and two, to know when a, a change has happened for sure, I just... 
I feel like there's a big step back coming from Dylan Cease. We saw that stretch last season where he had like, what was it, 13 unearned runs in, in a six start stretch or something. So and it ended up being, you know, this crazy low ERA. Oh, it was. I'll, I'll look it up. I think I think Dylan Cease is going to be useful for fantasy. I just think there's a chance we're talking about more like a 3-8 ERA than, I mean, he's not repeating the 2-2 ERA that he had last season, but like yeah, I, but I think he, but he might, he might go f- back to his 2021 numbers. Basically. Yeah, like I, I could see like the difference between Dylan's season 2021 and 2022 is a lot smaller than his overall numbers would make you think. So he had an 11 start stretch in which he allowed uh, three earned runs and 10 unearned runs. Yeah. Mm. The ADP for Dylan Cease is 40.4. So he has been pushed down a little bit. I remember earlier in the offseason, he was like a top six or seven starter. He was consistently going in the third round. And now he's falling back down a little bit fourth. I've seen even some drafts where he he falls to the fifth round in 12-team leagues. That is Dylan Cease. Chris, the other one that you're fading here is Logan Gilbert, who had a really successful uh, sophomore campaign the problem is that he allows a lot of hard contact. The swinging strike rate mm-hmm. took a step back last year as well. So he's young, he's exciting, but the underlying numbers just don't really add up for Logan Gilbert. Yeah, he's one where the expected ERA was well below his, or well above his actual mark. 320 ERA and 185 and two-thirds innings. 411x ERA, his strikeout rate was basically average last season after being, you know, slightly, you know, decently above average in 2021 and like I could see squinting and getting like a Shane Bieber-esque outcome he's got good command good control but like I don't know where it's going to come from and I think that's what people are assuming is that he's going to build off what he did last season maybe get the strikeout rate he doesn't really have the secondary pitches to get there I know he worked at driveline and there's been talk about a new splitter and maybe that'll help but I just I don't think any of his secondary pitches, you know, the curveball or the slider are are really the types of swing and miss pitches that he's going to need to take that step forward. He's very fastball reliant. I just I don't see very much to get excited about and it's for me with Gilbert it's more it's more about the price than it is the the risk of huge fall off because I think he's probably going to be pretty good. He's probably going to pitch pretty deep into games and be useful, especially in your points leagues. But like, I think he, he's probably more like a high threes ERA without a big change in his skill set. And I just don't know where the skill set change comes from. All right, Scott, let's move over to you for your bus 2.0. And you've got two pretty injury prone pitchers. I would say in Jacob deGrom and Freddie Peralta. Yeah, so when we were doing our pitcher preview, uh, we had a discussion about Jacob DeGrom. And like the more we talked it through, the more I realized, like, I just want no part of this guy. (laughs) You know, it's just like I expect it to go wrong because, you know, it's it's easy to be um, injury agnostic and, and say, you know, I just want to consider the upside of a player and, because injuries could happen to anybody and it doesn't mean he's going to get injured again. And, and that's fine to, to think that in a lot of cases. It, I think it's reasonable to, to think that in Jazz, Jazz Chisholm's case even. But with DeGrom, there seems to be a pretty clear reason why he keeps getting injured. So um, his last two full-length seasons, 
he won the Cy Young both times. He was the best pitcher in baseball. There was 2018, one with a 170 ERA. 2019, he won with a 243 ERA. Best pitcher in baseball and was able to hold up over a full season. Uh, and then came the 2020 season where he held up because it was only 60 games. And then came the last two seasons where he went 92 innings and 64 and then third innings respectively. Clearly not enough for him to justify his price tag. What happened after 2019, that last Cy Young season, is he went from being just another hard thrower, which was good enough. He was the best pitcher in baseball like that, to one of the very hardest throwers in baseball. His, his average fastball velocity jumped two miles per hour, and, and it's, it's, it's continued to go up. In 2021, it was up three miles per hour from that last Cy Young season. And, and look, it's made him arguably even more dominant on a per-inning basis. His swinging strike rate is unlike that of any other starting pitcher. But it's, it's a rare case of a pitcher who I just wish wouldn't throw so hard. <laughs> I, wish he'd, I wish he'd lose a few miles per hour because he's already proven he doesn't need it. And I think the last couple years, his inability to hold up corresponding to that velocity increase shows that his little body can't take it. Like it's, it's more velocity than it's, it's tearing him apart. Tearing me apart. Exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I just think it's going to keep happening for DeGrom. I mean, this guy's, this is age 35 yeah. season. And, and I am pretty famously injury agnostic or at least more injury agnostic than most people. That's less true with pitchers. The human arm was not designed to throw baseballs the way we do. If you, if you think about like most of human evolutionary history, we're throwing like spears and stuff like that's the primary throwing implement. It's a very different motion than the way you throw a baseball. It's why Tommy John surgery is much less of a concern for a quarterback than it is for a starting pitcher in baseball. It's a really unnatural motion throwing at 98 miles an hour, especially doing that 3000 times a year increases the risk of that. And so I just, yeah, DeGrom, it just, it is one of those things where like if he throws 140 innings, he's probably worth whatever you pay for him, right? Like he, he's so good. And, and even like the other thing is like, even if he throws 80 innings, it's sort of like having an elite closer on your team. And so I can see the appeal in that. But yeah, it's but without the saves, which is the right most without the saves, which is yeah, in terms of the, the <laughs> ratios, at least like he's going to yeah. be hugely impactful for your ratios whenever he pitches. It just yeah. he's not someone that I end up drafting he's because I not, want the 180. Not, like my 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 yeah, whole well, pitching strategy is is built around the idea of getting one of those guys who can give me the 180 innings of elite ratios so that I can take those chances later on in my draft. I don't necessarily want to have to draft Miles Michaelis to to potentially shore up my innings uh, shortcomings if I take for Jacob DeGrom. A, for a fifth or sixth round starting pitcher, and DeGrom, like his ADP is actually more like third round. Like yep. you, you can't, you, like you need that volume or else it's just a it's just a wasted pick, even how good, no matter how good he is on an inning per inning basis. I do want to touch on Freddie Peralta real quick because this isn't one we've talked about a lot. Uh, so he's another bus pick of mine. And obviously, he was really good in 2021. Maybe he bounces back to that. But the scary thing for me is that, well, it's easy to just look at his disappointing 2022 and say, okay, he 
he missed time with injury. Uh, hopefully he's healthy this year and can be more like 2021. Well, the thing is, even when he was healthy last year, the Brewers coddled the heck out of him. He had 18 appearances last year, Freddie Peralta, 17 of them starts. Of those 18 appearances, do you know how many times he went six innings or more? I have it in front of me, Scott. Should I give you the answer? Is four. That's right. <laughs> four times in those 18 appearances. And by the way, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of them, half of them were less than five. So maybe the efforts to keep him healthy are going to keep him from being an impactful pitcher anyway. I, I just even even in the range she's going, I, I find I'm, I gravitate towards so many other guys instead. And he's going in a range, Scott, where there's a decent amount of upside at, at starting right, pitchers. So exactly. the ADP for Freddie Peralta, 136.4. He's the 40th starting pitcher off the board. He's going right around Lance Lynn. I mean, I have waxed poetic about Lance Lynn. I, I'm a pretty big fan this season. Uh, other names. Good in spring too. Yeah, yeah, he looked great uh, again on Tuesday. He's going ahead of uh, Freddie Peralta, going ahead of Dustin May, uh, ahead of Chris Sale, ahead of Jeffrey Spring. So a lot of our either breakout or sleeper picks this season. He flashed the upside a couple of years ago, but this is now a recurring shoulder injury for Freddie Peralta and something that I am pretty worried about myself. Two names for me, and I'm going to stick with the theme here, Scott. It's two quite injury-prone players or, or guys that are entering the season kind of banged up already, I guess, in Tony Gonsolin's case. Byron Buxton, I'm sorry, Chris, over the past three full seasons, he has played 49% of his games. The ADP is not nearly as high as it has been in years past, but he's still a top 100 pick, so it's a decent-sized investment for a guy who is now been dealing with recurring hip and knee injuries Last year, Buxton played 35 of his 92 games at DH. So they were they were protecting him like nearly a third of the games that he played. They didn't want him ro- roaming the outfield. They didn't really let him steal bases last year. He had six steals. So I think his skill set has kind of changed for fantasy, and he's really, really injury prone. So Byron Buxton, it's just not for me. If you want to take the injury risk, I get, I get there's upside there, but it's just not going to be for me. Uh, and then Tony Gonsolin. Last year, limited to around 130 innings, uh, dealt with uh, a forearm injury. He's dealt with shoulder injuries in the past. He's He has a sprained ankle so far in spring, so we haven't even seen him yet. There's just a lot of injury question marks. Oh, we've seen him. We've seen him. He, he just sprained his ankle uh, this week, and, and they say he should still be fine for opening day. He's also he, going in that same range, Scott. I know there are drafts where he slips. For example, in yeah. your Tout draft, he lasted super yeah. late. But uh, I'm trying to... Typically the, where I got him. typically, the ADP is right around Freddie Peralta. And, and I think they're both pretty injury risky. They're both very risky. But I get Gonsolin was awesome last year. I don't want, I'm not taking anything away from him. He was much better than Freddie yeah. Peralta. But the risk for me, I mean, to, to pass on the upside of, again, like the Dustin Mays or, or Chris Sales or... I mean, I like Lazardo more than him. Jeffrey Springs. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with yeah. that. I, I'm just, I do want to say if it like, you know, going by his ADP, I have no problem calling Tony Gonsolin a bust. But if this ankle injury, which again, it doesn't sound like it's a big deal. He just twisted his ankle a little. Um, if, if it causes him to slide as much as it did in the Tower Wars draft I just did, I, I got him 195th yeah. overall, barely inside the top 200. So that right. was... 
Uh, one of my favorite picks. Yeah, I mean, even that, like, I can get behind that. If he's pushing 200, sure, I mean, buy the dip on Tony Gonsolin, but around 130, it's not going to be for me. And Scott, you did, you you were correct. He made a start on March 3rd, Gonsolin did. He went two and a third. He gave up three hits, two walks, with two strikeouts in his spring training debut. Let's say... Uh, can I just... Yep. One quick point, because you did personally attack me <laughs> uh, by Sorry. listing Byron Buxton as a bust. What's the case for Luis Robert with a third round pick when you're not willing to take a ninth round pick on Byron Buxton or an eighth round pick on Byron Buxton? I mean, I, I wouldn't use oh. a third round pick on Robert either. Well, you, you've got him ranked 33rd, I think, 35th, something like that. So, well, it sounds I, like I think he's a much like he, he is for sure. He's almost is certainly he a better going to player? help. In, is he's almost certainly going to help in batting average? Sure. And Buxton probably won't and may hurt. So that's one thing. The other thing is we're talking about two years of health issues for Robert versus a decade for Buxton. This is a case where I think Luis Robert is being helped by the fact that he wasn't in the majors when he was dealing with a ton of injury issues in the minors. Because remember, he only played that long. Well, right, but he only played. 28 games in 2017. He played 50 in 2018. 2019, he played 122. That's the only time he's ever played more than 98 games in a season. Yeah. He's also he's also four years younger than Buxton. But sure. to your point, Chris, I think you can make the bus case for Luis Robert as well. And I probably yeah. wouldn't push back. I, just, I, I, I don't like him at his ADP. This I, got is, him, I got him 75th in Tower Wars. But. This highlights, I just want to, this highlights... One of my issues with the way we talk collectively, and Frank, I'm not picking on you about Byron Buxton, the way we collectively as a fantasy industry talk about injuries is it's it's so unscientific, and some guys are injury prone and some guys aren't. And I get it. Byron Buxton never stays healthy. My Twitter mentions never fail to remind me of that every time he gets hurt. Thanks, guys. Uh, I... I think he's worth this price, even if he does get hurt. That's the biggest thing for me. It's just like the way he's played over the past three seasons. I, I really think he's a top 20 player on a per game basis at this point. And, and so can, I'm, I'm still willing to take the risk, even though I, I acknowledge there's a lot of risk there. And you could make more of a case for bucks in, Obviously, in a shallower league, the shallower you are, the better the replacement value will be. You don't get a zero when Buxton goes out. You're going to replace yes. him with either someone on your bench or someone on your waiver wire. So if you play in a 12-team points league, the waiver wire is very fruitful. All right, maybe you're you're more willing to take a risk-reward type player like Byron Buxton. But I mean, if we're playing in a five-outfielder league, tw even 12-team league, or oh, gosh, a 15-team five-outfielder league, a top 100 pick on Byron Buxton, we, I mean... It's it, it is big time risk. And at that point, I'm not sure if the reward is worth it because the replacement is going to be very, very bad. Let's take one more break and we'll be back right after this. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Let's wrap up with a few more bus picks for this upcoming season. Scott, we'll start off with you. The last remaining names, I don't have any type of theme or anything that <laughs> brings them together, but they are CJ Crone and Ryan Helsley. Okay, so let's start with Helsley, who... Uh, was he technically the number one reliever by the CBS Roto Formula last year? If not, he was close to it. I, I think he was either second or third because he had a lot of wins as well. Right. It was it was kind of a it was a fluky thing for a number of reasons. He had only 19 saves, of course, so nobody thinks of him in terms. And he of went nine and one. One reliever, but he had nine wins for a reliever. He also had a 125 ERA and a .74 WHIP, <laughs> which is hard to repeat and. In Helsley's case, the reason we hadn't seen that from him before is because he like started throwing even harder. So like I, I think it would be difficult to sustain just you know mathematically ratios that low, but then you have to factor in can his arm even sustain it? So yeah, his average fastball velocity increased two miles per hour last year there's a big jump average 99.6 on that fastball and you know as you know as 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 we talked about with Degrom, the human body can't withstand that for some people it can but helsley hasn't proven he's one of those people just because he was able to do it for last year so i uh, between just the 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 likelihood is ratios regress the potential Injury risk there, or even if he doesn't get hurt, just will he keep throwing that hard? And then also the fact he pitches for a team that I think doesn't approach the back end of the bullpen so traditionally. Like even even after Helsley had kind of transitioned into the role, Giovanni Gallegos was stealing some save chances. So it's it's kind of a three prong three prongs of concerns there for for Ryan Helsley that pretty much ensures I'm not going to draft him. Uh, the other one is CJ Chrome. I don't have the most sophisticated argument for CJ Crone. I just kind of have a bad feeling about him. He's 33 now. He's only viable at home in Coors mm -hmm. Field, of course. He hit 303 with a 955 OPS there versus, uh, versus 214 with a 619 OPS on the road. So you kind of don't want him in your lineup every week anyway. Uh, but then there's also the fact, like as ugly as those splits are, his first and second half splits were even worse. In the first half last year, a CJ Crone hit 298 with a 902 OPS. Second half, 197 with a 604 OPS. What was going on there? Like I said, he's pretty old. He plays first base, so it's his his the ability to replace him is very high. Uh, it could be. Oh my gosh, I'm horrible. At, remembering names who's that young guy who got called up and played mostly outfield but he's in michael tolia it could be michael tolia yep who uh replaces 
replaces CJ Crone at some point if he doesn't if he doesn't hit the ground running. It it could be any of a number of other players in the Rockies organization. I could just see things going really wrong for him, and I find that I'd much rather have Anthony Rizzo or Rowdy Telez instead, who both tend to go later. Yeah, I think the point about the ADP, Scott, the fact that CJ Crone's going at 124.2, and it is a very deep position. So Rowdy Telez is going nearly 50 picks later on average. I feel like recently that gap has closed a little bit, but you're still getting Rowdy Telez later than you are CJ Crone. So I agree with that one. Ryan Helsley, not only does he need to maintain the velocity gains from year over year from 21 to 22, the walk rate prior to 2022, 4.4 walks per nine. Last year, it was 2.78. Just feels like we are relying on Helsley to maintain a lot of big, big improvements that he made last year. Maybe he will and make us look foolish, but I think there are other relievers that are either going right around him or just after him that also have really good stuff and are further entrenched in their respective closers role. Guys like Rysel Iglesias, Kenley Jansen, Felix Bautista. I know time's running low, but yeah. I do want to mention, commenters are pointing out CJ Crone was contending with a wrist injury in the second half last year. So maybe that explains the dramatic first, second half shifts. Uh, splits. It doesn't. I don't find it entirely comforting, though. I'll consider it more before I actually write my bus 2.0 article, but I still just, I just, I still feel uneasy about him relative to some of those other basements. Yeah. According to pro sports transactions, CJ Crone was day to day two different times in July last season with a wrist injury. So definitely possible that something was hampering him uh, during that time period. Chris, you are up and the, Bus that I have down for you here, one Cardinals outfielder and one former Cardinals outfielder. Yeah, Tyler O'Neill. it's just, there's an awful lot of pressure for playing time in that Cardinals outfield right now. We don't know who the odd man out is going to be, and maybe it won't be anybody. Maybe Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson and Lars Newbar and Jordan Walker will all play and we'll all be good and, and Cardinals fans will be happy, best fans in baseball. But <laughs> I just... I don't know if Tyler O'Neill's that good. He's clearly a physical specimen. He would probably win a bodybuilding competition among all MLB players. He is really quite jacked up. The problem is we have one season in the majors where he's hit at a high level. That was 2021, and he struck out 31% of the time. That's always going to be an issue for him. The problem is because of that, he really has to create a ton of exit velocity. He can't just be good in terms of exit velocity, because last year he was good. He was like 64th percentile max exit velo, 66th in average exit velo. And you add it all up, and he wasn't a particularly good player because he struck out 27% of the time. That was actually an improved strikeout rate for him, by the way. I just, I can see a scenario, and it's not particularly hard to imagine because we saw it a little bit last year where if he's just not all that good, he starts losing playing time. and not So not only do you have to contend with the fact that, yeah, he just might not be all that good, but he might all, also not be that good while not playing every day. If the Cardinals, you know, if Lars Newbar is as good as we think and Jordan Walker is as good as we think. So I just, I don't know. There, there's just, this is one where there are a lot of paths that every given player can take and a lot of Tyler O'Neill's end up with him being a pretty big disappointment as a, Top 100 pick, because that's still where he's going. So, yeah, I just I can't justify the price. And then 
I, I went on Twitter yesterday because I was riding my bus calm and I just asked people like, who's the one player who just like, it's not about price. You just have no interest in drafting them. And Harrison Bader's that for me. I just, I don't see the appeal whatsoever. He stole a bunch of bases when he was with the Cardinals last year. He stopped stealing bases when he was with the Yankees. I think he had two in uh, 36 games, I think, including the playoffs. He did hit a bunch of home runs in the playoffs. His quality of contact metrics are dreadful. Uh, some of the worst for a like legitimate major league player that you'll see. 83 mile per hour average exit velocity, I think, last season. Uh, I just I don't see what Harrison Bader brings to the table that makes him worth even like the 180th pick, which is where he's going. I think there are plenty of players with dramatically more upside uh, than Harrison Bader. He just, he's someone who never comes up on my queue. Like he goes. Yeah. I, it, uh, that That's a player I struggle to rank Harrison Bader because it's like, but he's going to be drafted. So where do I put him in the rankings? Yeah. Like you might so get, that if he I plays the whole reality. season. Yeah, like if he plays the whole season, he's probably going to get 15 and 15 because he's done that before. It's just like, God, the path there is just going to be. Actually, he's never done 15 and 15. He's done 15 and 15 in separate seasons. He's traded just, He's traded off skill sets, Chris. It's like yeah. one year he's been better at a, as a home run hitter. One year he's been better as a base sealer. He's never just actually put it together. Yeah, and I just... He also dealt with the plantar fasciitis injury last yeah. year. That's the kind of thing that can linger. Uh, I think there was talk of him needing surgery at one point. He ended up not having it. I just, he is a player that like, even at a cheap price, I just don't see much point. And I'd rather, if we're talking late round outfielders, I'd rather take the flyer on Alec Thomas figuring it out than uh, Harrison Bader. I think even like, Harold Ramirez, Joey Gallo, I'd rather take a flyer on. There, there's a lot of guys. Oscar Colas is cheaper than him. Alex Kirilov. Yeah, I. no thank you. Gosh, I mean, Joey Gallo, Chris. I mean, we, we just got to cool it, man. What, what are we doing here? Joey Gallo. Jake Jake Fraley. <laughs> I would rather take a flyer on Jake Fraley uh, than Harrison Bader. The oh, one Jake I, Fraley. I love Jake Fraley. Her, Jorge Soler. Uh Estuary Ruiz at least has more stolen base upside. Jesse Winker, Trey Mancini, a lot of guys. Brian De La Cruz, a lot of guys are cheap. Ramon Laureano, a lot of guys are cheaper than Harrison Bader, who I'd rather have. That last one is the one. Ramon Laureano and Harrison Bader, I think, have very similar skill sets. Laureano is going 70 picks later on uh, in terms of ADP. So Laureano's done it. He had a 24 homer, 13 steal season. Yeah, I it like was 2019. Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah, it was. I, Harrison Bader was was active in 2019, <laughs> but Harrison Bader was active in 2019 and wasn't that good. Yeah, I'll quickly wrap up with uh, two more busts for me. Chris, yesterday you mentioned you can make the breakout and bus case for both Hunter uh, for Hunter Green. And I am now going to make that bus case for him. He is someone who is a fly ball pitcher and an extreme one. Forty eight and a half percent fly ball rate in the worst ballpark in baseball to be a fly ball pitcher in great American ballpark in Cincinnati. Not only that, these aren't like lazy fly balls, like the Christian Javier fly balls. Mm -hmm. We're talking 18th percentile average exit velocity, 30th percentile in hard hit rate. So I get Hunter green is fun to watch hundred mile per hour, fastball wipeout slider. But when he gets hit, he has these blow up starts, or at least he did last year. He could improve in his second season, 
but I'm still pretty skeptical in that ballpark that he pitches in. And the other one for me is another reliever. It's Camilo Doval. Just between the walk rate, he has a, let's see here, 3.7 walks per nine in his career. It actually was hovering around four walks per nine last year. And the strikeout rate took a step back. The fact that Gabe Kapler is his manager too. Look, last year, Doval was the guy. I'll admit that. I was wrong, Scott. You were right. You said, uh, who was the closer going into the year? Jake McGee. Your bold prediction was he wouldn't even have five saves. Guess what? He didn't get to five saves. It was Camilo Doval, and he was awesome. And it seems like management has backed him up to this point. But I just really worry about the command and the fact that they signed another really good reliever in Taylor Rogers. So if there are any hiccups, I think that they can go down that route. Uh, closer is already a, a pretty scary, volatile position. I'm not going to do the Camilo Duvall thing. I'm also not going to do the Ryan Helsley thing. So there's a, there's a bunch of other names I'd rather take a shot on in that range. We're going to wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.